we have some special speakers, and uh, it's kind of like, now, I'm not making fun of you. I don't want to curse on me, but it's kind of the convention of the bald prophets here. <laughs> and uh, so they're almost like, you, you think you guys were brothers as I look at you guys. Same exact kind of head, everything. It's just perfect. You'll be here for Pastor Mark in the second service. This is the only opportunity I really get a chance to, to really be up on Pastor Mark. But Pastor John John and Elena, they have a church in San Francisco called City Life Church. It is rocking. I looked it up today. And, and they the average attendance in their church, the average age, 20 to 30 years of age in San Francisco. And they are rocking it. And I looked at a picture, and it looks a lot like this, of, of the same setting of, of people. And so uh, we are just so blessed. These guys, I cannot explain enough. They are faith people, risk takers, adventurous. Anything that God says to do, they'll step out. Even how they, even if they don't know how God's going to do it, they're, they're doing it. So give them a big hand. Come on, stand up and welcome John John Wilkins as he comes. I'm going to uh, welcome my better half just to say hello real quick. This is Pastor Elena. Come on, girl. Do your thing, baby girl. Wow, what a privilege it has been to be here this weekend already. We've fallen in love with this church. So San Francisco has a sister city church here in Aberdeen. You can't get rid of us even if you wanted to. Sorry about that. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that God is about to do something great right here in this city. And I think it's part of your expectation as you lean in to what God is doing. Last night uh, as, we were, as I was praying, I just felt like God said, like Joseph, he had a dream of his own, and it was a dream that he didn't know how it was going to be fulfilled. In fact, he was made fun of for it. And someday, at, at one point in, in Joseph's journey, that dreaming in his life uh, got him into some pretty tough places, right? But what happened in his life is that um, as God moved upon his life, the dream was not just for him, but it actually was a gift being stirred up inside of him to become a dream interpreter. And I just want to tell you that the dream God has put inside of you is not just for you alone and not for your deliverance alone, but for what God would do to actually deliver those around you. So be like Joseph and expect God, even in the hard times, to do what he needs to do in your life and know that he is about to um, bring deliverance to those around you as well. Amen? It's going to be a great day. Let's do this. All right. You go, girl. Hey, good morning, church. How are you? Yeah. And we, uh, we just fall in love with this church. We've known your pastors for, we've actually known them from afar off for many, many years. But it's been just these last few years that we've gotten close to them. And uh, what an honor it is to be here with your pastors. I think they're just incredible. Very well dressed. And as always, <laughs> Pastor Doug, Pastor Lois always makes you look good. Come on now. She got so much style and swag and anointing. She got up with that prophetic exhortation. You guys are blessed. Amen. Matter of fact, if I lived here, I'd already sign up for 101 for next Sunday because I'd be wanting to be locked into this church. How many of you know that church is not just a place that we attend? It's a place that we belong. And uh, we don't need spectators. We want folks to be a part of what God is doing. So if you haven't come to 101, you should lock in. Amen, somebody? So you met my wife and... Um, we actually started our journey of ministry together in the early 90s, and uh, the Lord called us to the Bay Area to be youth pastors. And um, I started the journey. I had some hair back in the day, and I went through all kinds of different phases. The, the messy hair, we got the highlights, the low lights, and pretty soon no lights. You know, it was gone. And uh, that's what youth ministry will do to you. Amen. And... Uh, 
The Lord blessed us with, uh, with, with four kids, and uh, we are so blessed. I mean, we, we have a whole youth ministry right in our own family, four kids, you know, and two girls, two boys, Erica, Juliana, Jaden, and Ethan, and um, we're so thrilled to be blessed with these kids, and these girls, they're adorable too, by the way. They are gorgeous. They look just like their mama. One day I said, hey, girls, hey, where do you get your good looks from? Like, Dad, of course, Mom. I'm like, and that's true, praise God. But then, but where do you get your smarts from? And they're like, Dad, of course, Mom. I'm like, what? So what do you get from me? Your money. <laughs> They've learned early. They're very smart. The boys, well, that's another story. Pray for them. Thank you. We, uh, we've had just a blast this weekend, and uh, this is a prophetic house. So even ministering has been enjoyable and, and very freeing. And um, Pastor Mark, I've known him for many years. He's one of my heroes as well, just a legend, just an incredible prophet, man of God. And uh, so just to flow with him and then the church, it's been a fun weekend, hasn't it? So I, I don't know. I may not, not be invited again. Actually, I have been invited already. But um, well, we, we might just come and crash your party one of these days and surprise you. But we're going to make ourselves right at home. Is that all right? All right. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, and you can catch up. I'll start from verse 1, and we'll read until we're done. <laughs> All right, it says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds, they pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen. They had left them there, and they were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat, and he taught the crowds from there. Again, if you're kind of new to this journey of faith and maybe you're new to church, you're like, so what's happening here? Jesus had been traveling from town to town, place to place, and he was preaching about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that was at hand, it's here. And not only was he teaching and preaching, but he was performing these incredible miracles. So the word got out, as we would say, it went viral. People are like, oh, my gosh, that, that Jesus from Nazareth, he's in town. And uh, so they would, they would encroach upon him. Wherever he would, he would go, crowds and multitudes would gather. And apparently as he, as he came into this place, there was a throng of people that had gathered around, and he was like, man, how am I going to communicate? And he sees a couple boats right there, and he says, hey, can I borrow your boat? And he uses the boat as a platform so, he, so that he can communicate to the crowd that had gathered. And, and it says in verse 4 that when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Verse 5, master, Simon replied, we worked hard all of last night, and we didn't catch a thing. And it says, but if you say so, can someone say but? but. If you say so. Well, let's try that again and say but. but. If you say so. By the way, this is where the rubber meets the road. And, and the NIV translation says, nevertheless, nevertheless. In other words, master, teacher, awesome dude to you. Um, your teaching was incredible. And uh, we're, we're happy that we allowed you to use the bow. But um, we're the fishermen here and you're the teacher. And we worked hard all of last night. It was a long night. And we didn't catch a thing but a cold. We caught nothing. And then all of a sudden, it's like something happens on the inside because he says, but if you say so or nevertheless, we'll do this. And this is a, this is a predicament right here because this is where we find ourselves from time to time where God will speak something to us and we have the choice. Do we just simply rationalize what we're hearing, or do we respond in faith? 
But if you say so, I'll let the, the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. And he said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. I love this passage right here. And there's so many different things that we can take from this portion of scripture right here. But today, what I want to emphasize and what I want to focus on is when God speaks, how do we respond? Maybe you came through this weekend and you listened to some of the preaching and Pastor Mark preached an outstanding word Friday night about the doors prophetic doors and just a powerful time and my emphasis is is when God speaks not if God speaks because God speaks all the time when he speaks how should we respond thinking of Peter right here and I, I just imagine the day before he went on that shift before he went fishing that evening I don't think he imagined that by that time the next day his world would be flipped upside down he probably was just he was just thinking like business as usual hopefully we'll catch some good fish tonight and make some good money pay some bills and he fishes all night and catches nothing. It's just like, well, I mean, that happens from time to time. So let's get some rest. Let's clean up the, the equipment, and uh, we'll do this again tonight. And, uh, but as he's wrapping things up and his shift comes to an end, all of a sudden this guy comes, and it's a bit of an inconvenience, but he allows him to use the boat, which means he's going to have to rest a little bit longer in the boat, and then eventually he'll catch some Zs when he goes home. But what he didn't know was that in his boat, Jesus wasn't just a teacher, but in his boat, God himself was there con carne. That means God with flesh. He was there. He was present. He didn't recognize God. How many of you know that many times God will come and he'll meet us and he'll, we'll encounter him, but many times we just don't recognize who he is. In the midst of our storms, he is there. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere all at the same time. In your good times, he's there, and in your tough times, he's there. But the crazy thing about this journey of faith is many times we don't recognize the hand of God or the voice of God. Peter, he had no clue. He, he had no idea that Jesus was going to change his life from this point forward. So when God speaks, I'm, uh, I'm so thankful that, that God continues to speak to us in so many different ways. In the Old Testament, it says, for instance, in the book of 1 Samuel, it says that in those days it was uncommon for people to hear from God. It was rare that people would get a, a dream or a vision. In the Old T uh, Testament, for instance, God would oftentimes speak through his prophets, and that's how he would communicate. He would choose an individual, and he would speak a word to that individual, and they would relay it to the, the people, the recipients. But it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a common thing where everyone was hearing from God. It was selective individuals. Sometimes God would speak through angels. He would send angels as messengers to carry out his, his message. Sometimes God would speak through, through nature. You know, Moses walking on the backside of a desert, and he's just minding his own business, taking care of his father-in-law's flock. And all of a sudden, yo, Mo, <laughs> there's a burning bush that calls out his name, right? And God begins to communicate. There's a prophet who was walking on a, or he was on this journey on a, on a donkey. We'll just use that term, not the King James Version. And God opens the mouth of that donkey to communicate. <laughs> God can use nature. God uses circumstances. God 
Did you hear the, about the brother the other day driving down the street? Let, let me tell you the story real quick. So this man, he was praying about this woman that he felt was God's will for his life. Lord, I need to know, is she, is she the one that you have for me or not? And just driving down here, the main street right here, it's like, Lord, if the next seven lights are green, I'll take it that she's the one. Right? Have you ever, like, thrown a fleece like that? Like, God, we need confirmation. Right? So he's driving, and the first light is green. Hey. Second light is green. Like, yes, Jesus. Third light is green. He's speaking in tongues, and he's just getting excited. Fourth, fifth, sixth. All of a sudden, as he's approaching the seventh light, it turns yellow. No! Starts rebuking the devil. He slows down, but he doesn't come to a complete stop. He's just rolling slowly. It turns green again. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. She's the one. Right? So... Cheesy joke, excuse the. God will use different means to communicate and to confirm. One of, one of the ways that God speaks to me is through uh, godly and wise counsel, where God surrounds us with wise, and that's why I appreciate seasoned folks in the faith that can speak the word of God and the spirit of wisdom is upon them. So there's so many different ways, but Joel prophesied, he says, in those days... He's, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. God is speaking through the prophet. And he says, in your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. And all of a sudden, that prophecy was fulfilled about a thousand years later in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit came, and all of a sudden, the early church was baptized with the Holy Spirit. They all began to speak in other tongues. And pretty soon, folks were prophesying. And 2,000 years later, God continues to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And many, many, many people get to hear from God now. That's incredible, right? One of the greatest ways that I hear from God is by reading the word of God, which is completely inspired by God, and it finds me. Another way is through hearing the prophetic word. And then there's also the inner still small voice. When the Holy Spirit begins to whisper God's thoughts into my spirit, and I, I begin to recognize, like, this is, this is God talking to me. What a privilege that is to, to hear the voice of God. Now I'll, I'll expand on that in a few moments, but let me kind of give you some practical pointers today. It's not if God speaks, but when God speaks, how should we respond? Because we know that God has great intentions for us. He's got great thoughts towards us. But then there, there's something about us responding correctly in order to see that promise fulfilled. So I'm going to give you three pr uh, principles today of when God speaks. This is, this is what we should understand, all right? First thought is this. When God speaks a word over us, first thought is this. Remember, God will fulfill his word. So if he said it, he's going to fulfill it. In other words, his part of the word, he's going to follow through on it. Oftentimes, we don't do our part, but when it comes to God's part, he's going to follow through. The prophet Isaiah, in chapter 55 of Isaiah, it says this. It says, it is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will always accomplish what I want it to, and it will prosper wherever I send it. So in other words, when God speaks his words, he doesn't waste words. When he speaks a word, it actually delivers. It always hits the target. It always hits the mark. Another version says that God's word never co comes back to him empty or void. And what's interesting, and maybe you've been in this journey of faith for a while, have you noticed that when God speaks a word over us, usually, if not most oftentimes, it just doesn't make sense to us. He'll say something it's like, what? That doesn't make any sense at all. And all of a sudden, we're trying to figure God's thoughts and ideas. And then later, when the word is fulfilled, they're like, wow, it's fulfilled. That's amazing. And it looks nothing like I had imagined. All right? Isn't that true? And then this other thing, when God speaks his word, I've learned that his timing is usually very different than my timing. 
in that same chapter, Isaiah 55, it says that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And I like to say that his timing is usually different than our timing. But God's timing is always perfect. Howdy Slager used to say, God is seldom early, but he's never late. He always seems to like wait till the very last minute when we have no other options. God, we're desperate. Now I got your attention. And when we have no other options, then God intervenes and he shows up and he does incredible things. And I'll tell you the story about our, our family. We, we served as youth pastors for years, and then we felt the call of God to go to San Francisco, right? And to be very honest with you, when we live in the Bay Area, I had zero desire to be in San Francisco whatsoever. I mean, I like their sourdough uh, bread bowls with clam chowder. That's what I liked about San Francisco. But other than that, like, man, there's some weird people over there. It's like, so we'd go to visit from time to time and take visitors or guests, but we, we wouldn't go to San Francisco very often. But through a prayer movement called The Call with Lou Engel, Che On, and different prayer warriors, we took our interns to go serve at Candlestick Park when we had this big prayer revival. And at that event, as we were fasting and praying for San Francisco, um, God began to drop a burden. That's my family, by the way. Don't those girls look like their mama right there? Like, thank you, Jesus. The boys look all right. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. So um, we're at this, this prayer movement, and uh, as we're praying for the city, God began to drop a burden in our spirit for the city. So we thought, well, maybe, maybe we're called to bring teams and do outreach here. And we did. Maybe we're coming, and, and we're going to minister to the homeless folks there. And we did some of that. And, uh, but as we continued to pray, this would be in the early 2000s, the Lord began to grow this burden in our hearts, and pretty soon we began to recognize, like, wow, God has something for us there. We're not exactly sure what that is, and maybe we need to support some missionaries that are in downtown San Francisco. And then one night as I was sleeping, or we were sleeping, um, all of a sudden um, I heard these voices in my room, Dad, Dad, Dad. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm a youth pastor. I don't get a lot of sleep these days. And I sit up, and I open my eyes, wipe some boogers off, and I'm like, and I like, oh, my goodness, there's a bunch of people in our room. And they're not just my kids. It included my kids, but it's like there's tall people and short people and all kinds of different people in the room. And I'm looking around, and they're like, Dad. And then kind of like in unison, Dad, surround sound Dolby. Dad, Dad, Dad. <laughs> when are you and Mom coming? And that's when I realized I'm having one of those biblical dreams. And I realized, and, and some of them had San Francisco gear, and I'm like, God's called, and God spoke to me, I'm sending you to the city because you will be a mother and a father to those who don't have a father and a mother. You're going to birth a church. And God began to speak his word, and I woke up my wife, babe, did you hear that? No, <laughs> she didn't hear that. She was sound asleep. But, but I was so moved by the word of God, and we sat up and we talked for a while, and God was beginning to reveal his ways to us, but his timing was not very clear. So we had to continue to pray this through for many, many years, and we submitted it to our pastors and leaders and overseers. Like, so what do we do with this, and how do we prepare ourselves? And it wouldn't be for many years later that we finally were sent out to plant this church. I'll spare you all the other stories and details because God confirmed it in so many different ways and prophetic words. And when we finally went, uh, our church that we had served as youth pastors for, um, we, we were a mobile church. We met at a theater for years which meant that very early on Sunday mornings, we had to come up with our trucks and trailers and set up and break down. <laughs> you, know, you know how it is. We did that forever. And um, so I, I pray, like, Lord, we, we've been doing this for 16 years. If we have found mercy with you, God, 
Well, would you hook a brother up? <laughs> would you like give us something? I was believing like I feel like God said, I'm going to give you a building and it's going to be turnkey. You're going to be able to use it 24-7. And so I'm like, you know what? Being that we need a miracle, we're going to believe for a big one. So we started looking everywhere. This is now early 2012, and we're looking for buildings everywhere. We have our launch date. We're going to launch September 20, 23rd, 2012, and we're praying, believing, and clock is ticking, and we're three months out, nothing. And all of our promotional materials are being printed. And check out our website for more info because <laughs> we don't have a place to send you to yet. We're about two months away, nothing. We're about three weeks away. We finally found a tiny little 4,000-square-foot little building. Maybe, I don't know, maybe half of this auditorium. I don't even know how to. 4,000 square foot right downtown. We said, you know what? I think we can work with this. And they wanted 15000 a month for rent for a tiny little 4,000-square-foot building. But we hadn't found anything else. I'm like, well, I think this will work. Prophet Bill Norton came, and he's like, hmm. Prophesies, I feel like the Lord has something for you in this area right here. We walked through that building, and. We felt good about it, so the, 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 the agent, he drafted the lease, and, and we're like, man, we're going to take a step of faith because we have enough money for about one month's worth of rent, <laughs> and then, oh, no, and uh, so the, the day that we're signing the lease, now we're three, literally three weeks away from starting, we go to sign the lease, and the owner, he was an atheist, but he liked us, and he's, he said that, told his agent, I tossed and turned all of last night, and this is not the place for these kind people. So they tore the, the lease. And I'm like, no, let me hear from God. Don't do that. <laughs> we didn't do one. And I got back in my car, and, and I mean, it was, it, was, it was a done deal. Like, no, that's not yours. This is on 5th Street. I drove one block down to 6th Street, and I just parked, and I just built an altar unto God and cried like a little baby. Ah, God, I thought you called us here. And, Lord, I was sure that you had something here for us. And even the prophet came, and he felt like this is something you had for us. And I'm crying and praying. Then I stopped and opened up the computer again. I'm looking on LoopNet and all these different sites. And all of a sudden, boop, a listing pops up on the screen. It's a, bu a building about three times bigger than the one that we had just looked at. And I'm parked literally right next to it. I'm like, huh. And it's even got, like, a parking lot in the back, which in San Francisco, nobody has parking lots. Like, it's got a parking lot in the back. Like, what is this? And I'm looking at the listing and the details. I'm like, wow, almost 13,000 square feet. This is great. And how much do they want? Call the agent. He says, we're here right now. You want to take a look at it? Long story short, my wife and I, we walk in, and we're like, what is this place? It's like, oh, it was a, it, it was a porn studio, like live strip shows and, like, <laughs> Looking through the eyes of potential, right? I'm like, wow. We can already start doing our water baptism services. There's one tub, there's another one, another one over here. Like, yes. Like, baby, look at those cages over there. It's classrooms for kids right over there. Like, kids' rooms, toddlers. and I guess the ushers can hang with the poles right over here. And like, we'll make it work. <laughs> Long story short, we ended up getting that building. It was, it was a short-term lease, only three years. They didn't know what to do with it. They just wanted someone to pay their property tax. We ended up getting it for 7500 a month, half, half of the other cost, three times larger. Amen. And we were celebrating. And, like, and God has such a sense of humor because people are like, isn't this like the porn studio? Like, no, it's church. It's church. 
<laughs> People would come and they'd get saved. So many other stories that I could tell you. The reason I'm sharing the story with you is this. God's ways, they're higher than our ways. His thoughts, they're higher than our thoughts. His plans are actually bigger and better than ours. We would have settled for a smaller building and we'd be okay and we would be stretched. But God has something significantly larger, better. And come on, somebody. And people started coming. And every Sunday, people have come to Jesus. And the church continues to grow. And we've actually outgrown that place. We moved to a larger place since. And God has been so, so good. But it just reminds me of, of, of God's will. When he speaks his word, we know that he's going to follow through. But usually, it looks different than the way we had imagined. Paul even says like this in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So even at our best, our dreams are still pretty tiny compared to what God dreams for us. So when God speaks, remember, God's going to follow through on his word. The second thought, when God speaks, you got to understand that the enemy is going to resist God's word as well. Every time. Someone say, the devil's a hater. Hashtag, hater's going to hate. <laughs> the devil is a hater, and he resists the word of God. So when God speaks his word and he declares something over you, your family, your business, your health, the enemy is going to try to resist the word of God. Can I tell you this? The enemy can't steal God's word from you. Now, we understand that his job description, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he can't actually steal the word of God from you. He can't do that because the word is from God. It's God's word. But what the enemy will do is he'll use different techniques or weapons to cause us to miss out on, on what God has declared over us. And I'm going to give you three words. They all start with the letter D. Pastor Mark actually alluded to some of these the other night. But when the enemy sees the potential in you and I and he, like, he hates seeing it, God's people blessed again and again and again, like, man. So what he'll do, he'll use these words real quick. First thought right here is the word doubt. He causes us to question the word of God. Was that really God talking to us? Did that, did that prophet Mark, was he stalking me on Facebook and he learned details about my family? That's why he had such information when he gave that word. And we begin to second guess ourselves and we begin to second guess the word of God. Was it really the word of God or was it just me? And by the way, that, that technique has been, been working for millennia. <laughs> I think about Adam and Eve and Eve is walking in the garden one day, and out of nowhere, like, this snake starts talking to her. So what's up, girl? <laughs> and that should have been a warning right there. Snakes don't talk. Girl, back up. <laughs> but she engages in conversation. And all of a sudden, he begins to question, did God really say don't eat of this tree? And then he even adds to the word of God. And it causes, like, this, this dart to be launched into her mind, and she began to question Side note there, by the way, men and women, you should come to the marriage retreat coming soon here. Um, when God gave the instruction to not eat of the tree, did you know that Eve hadn't even been created yet? It was actually an instruction given to Adam, the protector, the provider. So there was bad marriage communication all the way, all the way back in the garden, way back in the day, guys. So there's hope for all of us, right? Somehow, some way, either she didn't get the memo or he wasn't there to protect her. Just saying, that's just a little side note. But all that to say, the enemy would throw these, these, these darts in our minds to doubt or to question. Here's the second one, distractions. Man, not every good thing is a God thing. The enemy would love to throw all kinds of distractions in our heads and our minds to cause us to, to, to get off course, to, to miss on the timing of God for the word that he's declared over us, distractions. A third one would be this, the word discouragement. 
You've been, you've been fighting the good fight. You've been navigating through life, and all of a sudden, discouragement creeps in. Like, man, how come, man, I've been praying and believing for this prodigal son or daughter. Or I've been believing for that building, or I've been believing for this breakthrough, and it just it doesn't seem to happen. Everyone else seems to catch a break but me. And then when our hearts become discouraged, think of, think of John the Baptist. Matthew 3 says that Jesus went to, to John to be baptized, his cousin. And John the Baptist, he baptized Jesus. When Jesus came out of the water, it says that a voice from heaven says, this is my son that I love, and in him I'm well pleased. That was the voice of God the Father. And we see this beautiful picture. It's like, talk about a church service. Talk about a conference, a prophetic weekend. The people, the crowds are gathered there. Jesus is there, the Son of God. God, the Father, speaks, and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. It's like, wow, what a service. And the audible voice of God is heard. Jesus heard the voice. The crowd heard the voice. So did John. John was there. He was at that meeting. Sometime later, King Herod, if you remember the story, John is incarcerated now, and he's, he, he would die. Prior to that, though, his heart is troubled, and he's filled with just discouragement. He sends his messengers to Jesus says, man, are you the guy or not? Are you not the one that we heard? Remember that meeting, like that voice and the whole thing, that conference? Are you not that one, the Messiah? See, discouragement, it can, it can wreak havoc in our hearts and our minds. And it happens to all of us. Discouragement, we have to recognize it. Finally, here's a third thought, and we'll wrap it up with this thought here. When God speaks, remember, God's going to fulfill it. The devil's going to resist it. But then number three, we got to trust and we got to obey. When God speaks his word, when he declares his word over us, we got to trust him and we got to obey him. We got to obey him. It's all about the response. That day in that boat, Simon Peter had fished all night. He was exhausted physically, possibly mentally, emotionally. And then all of a sudden he's stretched and Jesus says, man, let's launch to the deep again. This is not the right time. We go fishing at night, not during the day. And who are you to teach me to do this or tell me to do this? And why would we do this now? It doesn't make sense. And then all of a sudden, but if you say so, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. When God speaks, what is our response? How do we respond to the word of God? We got to trust him even when it doesn't make sense. And then we got to obey quickly. We got to obey quickly. The nevertheless attitude, that's what I want to encourage us with today. God, even when it doesn't make sense, we sang the song Waymaker today. Man, what a powerful song. Even when things around us don't make sense, God, you still are the way maker. Even when I don't get it, I still believe that you're a promise keeper. Even when things are dark around me, Lord, Lord you're the light, a light in the darkness. And we stand on God's word and we respond, we trust and we obey. This uh, final verse in Hebrews, and I love this one, it says, Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him, they must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely or diligently seek him. So when we put our trust in him and we diligently obey his instruction, we run after him, his word, his promises, God is a rewarder. God doesn't forget what he's spoken over you. God hasn't forgotten what he's declared over you. He still knows the plans that he has for you, for your family, for your future. Your name hasn't, be hasn't been shoved to the back burner somewhere. He knows exactly who you are. He looks intently upon you. His gaze is upon you. You are the apple of his eye. So when God speaks over you and I, 
we should, we should trust him and we should obey it. Amen? Even when it doesn't make sense. I want to lead us in this prayer today. And specifically, I want to lead, lead our congregation in this prayer for discouragement. Because I believe that there's some folks that are just a bit tired here, a little discouraged. It's not that you've drifted from God. You still love God. The Bible says that even the youth, they, they grow tired and they faint. But strength comes to those who wait on the Lord. Maybe you find yourself a little, a little fatigued, the journey, the wear and tear of life. If that's you today, say, man, God, I love you, but I'm just discouraged. I need you to pick me up. If that's you, would you be bold and stand to your feet with me today? Say, I need prayer. I want to partner with God, believing that he's going to encourage me today. He's going to strengthen me today. Amen. All throughout the room, let me pray this over us. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. God, I thank you that you you speak your word and you declare your word over us. And Lord, we know that you're going to follow through. And though the enemy would come to resist us, Lord God, I thank you, God, that you're still in control. And though the enemy would even bring doubt and distractions and even discouragement, God, Lord, I thank you for the spirit of encouragement. And God, I pray over each one here today, those that are just tired, those that just need a, not just to pick me up, but they need, Lord, a deliverance. Father, I pray, God, that you would come with the spirit of encouragement and you would pour bucketfuls of encouragement into every heart. As the psalmist said, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. God, we put our hope in you today. We're reminded of your faithfulness. We're reminded of your character. You are perfect. You've never failed us yet, and you're not about to start today. So, God, we we put our confidence in you. I pray for encouragement to find each one here today. God, we declare that with you nothing shall be impossible. Father, I pray an encouragement over each one. And can I invite the entire church to stand and join us as we close out? In the name of Jesus. Listen, in San Francisco, every service, absolutely every Sunday, every service, people are coming to Christ. And so I'm I'm just going to help us today. Maybe you came to church today. Maybe you've been distant from God. Maybe you find yourself in church today, the house of God, and you say one of two scenarios. One, maybe you've never given him the opportunity to be the designated driver in your life. You've been calling all the shots by yourself. But you're here today and you recognize, I need God in my life. I need him to take control. Maybe that's your story. Or perhaps the second one, the second scenario, maybe at some point you did. You invited him into your life and life happened, choices were made, and you find yourself distant from God today. But you're saying, man, I need to get right with God. I need to surrender fully to him. Maybe that's your confession today. Either way, the good news that we have in Scripture is this, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, they shall be saved. And God is tugging on people's hearts today. If you're in the house today and you're hearing my voice and you're saying, I want to get right with God. Me and God, we're not right, but I want to surrender fully to him. Would you just wave at me right where you're at? Because I want to pray for all of us. Thank you. Who else? You're saying, I want to get right with God. Thank you. Sis over here. Anybody else? Hands coming up all throughout. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can we repeat this prayer together? Would you repeat after me? Would you say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming after me. Today, I open my heart. I invite you into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I repent of all my sins, all my selfish ways, and I surrender fully to you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me a fresh start and a new beginning. Help me now to live a life of purpose where I, too, will make a difference in someone else's life. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Let's tell all of our brothers and sisters who prayed. Well done. Congratulations. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Sunday.
you were.